If you are new, for those who are new to the church, we're concluding a journey called Reframed. And uh, the easiest, quickest way to tell you what it's about is simply this. If I take off my glasses, you look different. If I put my glasses on, you've changed. In fact, you haven't changed. The way I see you has changed. By reframing, by putting on the frames of my glasses, it changes the way I see the same situation. And so many times in our lives, we cry out to God, God, change my situation, change my financial situation, change my job, change my life, change my this, change my that. And many times God is going to say, no. What he will do is reframe your perspective of that situation. And when we see things, that's why James could say, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. That's reframed. That's why Paul, with a thorn in his side, he could say, now I rejoice because of this thorn, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. One of the greatest ways that God brings about change in our lives is changing our perspective from the world's perspective to God's perspective. And certainly the conclusion that I've come to after doing this study is that God sees things very differently to us. God's Word says, His ways are higher than our ways. He sees things differently. I mean, if I give you a few examples of the way Jesus taught. He said, blessed are the poor. Huh? I mean, come on. Who says that? I mean, the world certainly does that. Surely it's the rich who are blessed and the poor are the ones who suffer. No, Jesus said, blessed are the poor. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. That's crazy. Surely blessed are the confident, the front-footed, the dominant. No, no, Jesus said blessed are the meek. Jesus said blessed are the persecuted. Now that's crazy talk because it's, surely it's a mistype. I mean, uh, surely the word should be blessed are the prosperous, not persecuted. But the point is, in the kingdom of God, things look radically different. So if we're trying to live a Christian life with worldly eyes, we are always going to be frustrated and struggle because it doesn't make sense. We need our eyes literally touched by the Spirit of God so that our eyes, spiritually, our eyes would be open so that we can see through kingdom eyes. In fact, it was James who, uh, this is one of the scriptures we'll look at briefly today, but he said in, uh, in the book of James, God says, has God not chosen the poor of the, in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith. Now, right there, it reveals that the world has eyes. The world has a way of seeing things. And my question to each one of us today is what kind of eyes have you got? Have you still got worldly eyes or do you have kingdom eyes? If we're going to mature and walk as disciples of Jesus, we need kingdom eyes. Stop seeing just as the world sees. And that's what this whole journey has been about, looking at different areas of our lives. How do we see things from a kingdom perspective? So very quickly, what I want to look at today is success. Because deep inside, every one of us is a desire for success or significance. So many of us, if I take the, the proverbial ladder... We want to climb that ladder of success to see how high we can get. But now someone once said very correctly that for most people, we spend our lives climbing the ladder of success only then to discover it's leaning against the wrong wall. And that's what I want to talk about today. You could be spending your life clamoring over people, taking advantage, doing everything you can to get ahead, to get to the top of the ladder of success, only to realize you've been looking at the world through worldly eyes rather than kingdom eyes. 
And so rather than getting to the top too late and realizing you've wasted your life and wasted your opportunity with a worldly ladder of success, why don't we rather study the Word of God and let the Word of God change our perspective as to what success truly looks like? In the eyes of the world, success is normally based around finance. I heard, I saw a bumper sticker that, that once said, he who dies with the most toys wins. And, and for many, that's exactly what success looks like. How much stuff can I accumulate? Surely the bigger house, bigger cars, more this, more that. Surely winning is about who has the most stuff. Sometimes it's about fame. He who has the most likes is surely the most successful. The most uh, viral this or that, popularity is sometimes seen as the sign of fame. Or or sometimes it's about power. Who has the most control? Surely that's what success is all about. A moment of vulnerability, as I've reflected upon that. uh, For me, it's it's never been, I'm not, none of us are immune, but for me, it's never been a financial clamoring or, or how much control. But I suppose when I look at my fallen heart, If I had to choose one of those three, as a bit all of us could probably choose one of them, I'd probably lean towards that popularity one. You know, I've got a people-pleasing nature. By fallen nature, that's kind of the person that I am. I like people to like me. And, And so subconsciously, my definition of success can be, well, how popular? You know how many? And and then I had a reframing moment. Listen to this uh, little verse from Mark 1, verses 43 to 45. It says, Jesus sent him away at once. He had just healed a man with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. I mean, how weird is that? Jesus has just done an incredible healing. Instead of posting it on Instagram, Facebook, and all of these social media things, he says the opposite. He says, don't tell anyone. Keep it off the internet. Don't tell anyone. Just go to the priest and offer your thanksgiving. Instead, verse 45 says, He went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Isn't that interesting? My heart was saying, oh, surely if, if I was popular, I'd feel like super. No, no. The Bible tells us that the more popular become, the lonelier it can become. Isn't that amazing? See, the kingdom of God is completely different, completely opposite. And so for me, it was reframed right there. Throw that thing out. That's not success. So what is success? Let's go for uh, very quickly. I want to take you through uh, five quick truths about what the Bible says about success. or The Bible doesn't really use the word success. It uses the word fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. What does fruitfulness success look like in the kingdom? Number one, truth number one, is that success is actually partnership with God. Now, I know that sounds strange, but I want you to think it through. Success is actually partnership. Listen to um, what Jesus said to one of the churches in Revelations 3, verse 17. Uh, This is Jesus speaking to the church, and he says, You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Yikes. Say yikes. This is like, yikes. That means the church, not even, the church was looking at themselves saying, We don't need a thing. We're rich. We've got it together. Jesus is looking at the same church saying you poor, blind, wretched, naked. Talk about needing a reframed moment. 
Now that's the danger. You could be that church right now in your life, deep in your heart saying, actually, I've got this one. We're wealthy, bonds paid up, got cars, educations. We, we are sorted. And, and Jesus could be looking down and he's saying, actually, you don't realize you are poor, blind, wretched, naked. Why? I love that little phrase. Well, I don't love it. It scares me. It says, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. Do not need a thing. You see, there was their definition of success right there. Independent. I've got it. I don't need a thing. I've arrived. Jesus looks at that thing in our hearts saying, I've arrived. And he says, that's the problem right there. You see, in the kingdom of God, it's completely different. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not the, I don't need a thing, but rather those who are saying, oh dear God, I need you. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In John 15 and verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In the kingdom of God, success looks like partnership, dependence. You are only as successful as you are dependent on Jesus. Maturity in Christ is not growing in independence, but it's realizing our full dependence on Jesus. Does that make sense? Come on, saints, we've got to let this deep into our hearts. You don't grow out of being dependent on God. What you do as you mature is you realize just how fully dependent we are on God. By myself, this is Jesus speaking, by myself, I can do nothing. One of the most tragic stories in the Bible is about Samson. Remember that story, that kids' ministry story with a guy with the long hair who was so powerful? Now, long hair is actually has always been a symbol of submission. It's one of the reasons ladies were encouraged to grow their hair long in the Old Testament, because it was a sign of a covering on your head, which represented submission. Now, here's the incredible story of Samson. Basically, God was saying this, no one must cut your hair and you will be incredibly strong. Now, this is not a ladies thing. This is everyone. He has a huge secret of the kingdom of God. Strength is proportional to submission. If you want to be strong, be submitted to God. The more submitted you are, the more in authority and strength you have. So God used Samson's life as a visual representation of here's how it works. The more dependent, the more submitted you are, the stronger you'll be. Problem was, Samson had the long hair, but in his heart, he was independent. Although he was told he's not allowed to drink wine, he's not allowed to cut his hair, his beard, he has to live this Nazarite vow. And yet, sadly, he broke every one of the conditions of his Nazarite vow. He walked through the vineyard, he's supposed to stay away from him. He ate honey out of a dead animal, he's not supposed to touch anything dead or unclean. And eventually, he allowed his hair to be cut. And of course, we know what happens if you know your Bible stories, he loses his strength. After killing all of the Philistines left, right, and center, suddenly he's left defenseless. His hair's cut. His strength is gone. He's caught. They gouge out his eyes. He loses his vision. They put him in shackles. He loses his freedom. And they make him dance in front of the pagan god and all of the priests and all of the dignitaries. So here's Samson, the mighty man of God, now dancing shamefully, humiliated. But in that moment, something got reframed in his heart. God, I should have just depended on you. And in that moment, truly, he says, God, I need you. I realize now my strength was not my hair. My strength was my submission to God. Remember how it finishes? He asked to be led to the two pillars in the temple, this pagan temple full of all of the dignitaries, the leaders. Of, and it says in that moment, he cries out, God, one more time. 
pushes on those pillars. Everything comes down. And it says he was more successful. He, he produced more. He achieved more in that moment. He died in that moment. But so did all of the foreign rulers and authorities. They were crushed by this fallen temple. And in that moment of submission, breakthrough came. I want to ask you, are you successful? It's not, I don't need a thing. But have you realized just how much you need to depend on King Jesus? Number two, second truth about success is success is actually the genuineness, the quality of your faith. Faith, faith in the kingdom of God is the real measure of success. Once again, not how much you know, no, no, how much you trust in the word of God and the name of Jesus. Revelations 2 verse 9, once again, Jesus speaking to a church and he says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. You see what I mean about how the kingdom of God looks so different? I mean, here they are. I know your afflictions. In other words, they're going through a hectic COVID pandemic, economic downturn. Everything's going wrong. There's retrenchments left, right, and center. I know your afflictions and your poverty. And yet, what does Jesus say? You are rich. Once again, what eyes are you looking? Are you looking through the eyes of the world or the eyes of the kingdom? Basically, it's not how many resources that you have that measures your success. It's the revelation that you have of the one who holds all resources. See, in the kingdom of God, resources always follow revelation. Revelation, that's how much do you truly know the one spoken of in the word of God. In James 2 verse 5, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promises those who love him? It's one of the things I always get frustrated. Why do we hear about so many miracles happening in third world countries in the middle of Africa or the middle of the Amazon jungle or, or middle of Asia? Why are there so many miracles there and less here? Well, one of the reasons is options. See, when you're in the middle of Africa or the middle of the Amazon jungle, you do not have access to an ambulance, to a doctor, to a hospital, to medical aid, to any of these things. And out of that sense of poverty, you cry out to God with a desperation. And you find that the healer, the one who heals... That's what I'm talking about. And that's what, that's what Jesus is, is trying to communicate to his church through James right here. Is actually, you, you think in the eyes of the world you might be poor, but the result of that is you now have a richness of faith. And remember, all of your toys don't go to heaven, but your faith does. That's what you are rewarded for one day, the quality, the genuineness of your true trust in the word of God. That's worth so much more than gold or silver. Reframe success is not perfect circumstances, but rather peace in circumstances. I have learned to trust in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. Third truth about success is that success without love is called failure. This I need to hear often. Success without love is called failure. Listen to these Words that I'm sure you know well if you've read uh, 1 Corinthians 13. But let me read the first part in verses 1 to 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, which is what I long for, oh Lord God, help me to preach. Help me to learn other languages. Help me to be able to speak out in other languages, tongues, the language of angels, but do not have love. 
I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, I long for that. Please, Lord, fathom all mystery and all knowledge. This is what I pray for right here. Lord, give me understanding of the kingdom of God. We want to walk in the authority of your kingdom. I'm praying for this. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, honestly, I'd be happy to move molehills. Okay, I mean, this is what we're crying out for. But have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship that I might boast, but have not love, I gain nothing. Yikes. Friends, what are you doing right now? Your work in the factory, your being a mom at home, teaching in a school, running your business, are you still doing it with love? Because you might in your heart feel like a sense of self-justification. I'm doing it for Jesus. I'm laboring. Yep, that's great. But if it's not motivated by love, love for God resulting in love for others, it's a waste of time. That's not success at all. Success is how much love is behind what we're doing. You know, a spreadsheet can make you think that you are successful, But Jesus, when he returns, doesn't measure things by spreadsheet and numbers. Do you know how Jesus does measure things? Box of matches. That's right. No, that's what he does do. When Jesus comes back, he comes back with a proverbial box of matches. And listen to what the Word of God says. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 13. Speaking into a church context, but I believe it's the same for all of us. And Paul says that their work, speaking about church leaders will be shown for what it is because the day when Jesus returns will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality, not quantity, the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet he will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. In other words, can you imagine Outlook Church almost, it's like a, bonfire stacked and Jesus comes back on the day and it's like wow Lord look we built a nice big church and we had a great time and we worshiped and and Jesus says lovely (laughs) takes out his box of matches because the Bible says we can build with gold and silver and costly stones you know what those are that's the word of God genuine faith huge love in our heart dependence on the Holy Spirit and when you build like that all that you do when you light gold and silver is refine it even more Or you can build with wood, hay, stubble, which is quick gimmick success. We want to be an organization. We want to get factory production. We want to get as many people. We want to look successful. We want to get the budgets up. We want to meet targets. And it burns like a bonfire. And so you might have this huge pile of all the things you've done for Jesus. But if it's not done in love, by the Holy Spirit, with faith, success without love is called failure. Truth number four, success is faithful obedience to what God has called you to do. That's what success in the kingdom looks like. Faithful obedience. John 17 verse four, Jesus said, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Honestly, I wonder if through the eyes of the disciples, looking at Jesus on the cross dying, did he really look like a success? I mean, let's think about it for a moment. Now, Jesus, you came as this promised Messiah, and we're expecting according to the word 
the Messiah will come and he will bring freedom. So in the line of David, that means when the Messiah comes, he will be the king, which means he should take over David's, resurrect David's throne. He's going to become the king of Israel. He's going to tell these Romans to get out of Israel as he establishes Israel once again as a dominant force. We're going to show these Romans we're going to be back in charge. And at one point it looked promising because the crowds were gathered to Jesus and he was healing them and, and the disciples are thinking, yeah. And, and, and then the crowds dwindle and, and now they're saying, crucify him. And then the crowds have abandoned Jesus. And then his own 12, at least he's got the, no, no, they abandon him and scatter. And now he dies on the cross. And the disciples must have looked at him and said, yikes, I think he failed. Yet with his dying words, he said, it is finished. And now, 2,000 years later, resurrected, seated at the right hand of the Father, raising sons and daughters in nations all over the world, the church growing, gaining momentum, the glory of God covering the earth like the waters cover the sea. Our best days are still ahead of us. Jesus, you accomplished everything that the Father called you to do. Are you looking through the eyes of the world or through the eyes of the kingdom? Be obedient. Be faithful to what God has called you to do. Sometimes that might not look successful in the eyes of the world, but it looks successful to God. This for me has been the biggest point of repentance in my life recently, is to stop judging success by numbers. Jesus called us to make disciples. Make disciples. Focus on the one. Make disciples. And let me tell you, in the year's time, they will multiply, multiply, multiply. But if we make good, solid, multiplying disciples, that's success in the kingdom. Not gathering a crowd, multiplying disciples. And very lastly, let me land with this one quickly. Success is measured not by what you get, but what you give. That's it. That's what success looks like. It's not how much you have stored in your bank account, but how much seed you've sown to others. That's what success looks like. Being financially wealthy in the kingdom is not a bad thing, but it is a dangerous thing. In fact, it's so dangerous, I think that God in his loving kindness keeps many folk back from being very wealthy in the kingdom because it's dangerous, because it wants to be the thing you trust in, because it becomes the thing that you want, that you allow to rule your life. Wealth is not bad, but wealth is dangerous. It takes maturity in the kingdom to know how to steward it well so that you stay master under Jesus. Jesus stays your master and you don't allow money to become your master. But if you have the maturity to handle wealth well, it's an incredible source of glory to God. 1 Timothy 6 verse 18, command the rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. The world measures success by how much you have stored up. Jesus, once again, measures it by the opposite. Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, most of you know the story of uh, the church in, uh, in Scottborough. There's mates of ours who still meet in a school hall and yet donated a million rand to help us put the new roof on. And as much as we celebrate it, like, wow, Lord, to receive a gift like that is what a blessing. 
in my heart, I'm saying, Lord, we want to be that church. We want to be that church who can give million rand gifts to others to release this, to do what God's called us to do, our building a year dream, all of these things. We want to be the church that can give, not just to receive. Success is not how much have I managed to store up, but rather how much have I managed to give away. And so church, here's my question. In your climb up the ladder of success, now, I don't know how high up those rungs you are. I want to ask you this. Is your ladder leaning against the right wall? If your ladder is still leaning against the wall of the world, it's just a question of time before you realize, I've been wasting my time. I've got so-called worldly success, and I've realized it was a trap, a deception, and empty. Don't. Rather now, before it's too late, take your ladder and put it against the wall of the kingdom of heaven. Success in the kingdom looks very different to success in the world. Let's not waste another moment of our lives climbing the wrong ladder. Amen? Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you, Lord. If you don't mind closing your eyes just for a moment. I want you to just take a moment to pray. You can pray quietly in your heart. You can mumble your prayer. But just begin to pray, asking the Holy Spirit to highlight for you what is it that he's been saying to you today. Holy Spirit, please come and make your word clear. What are the specific adjustments? Remember the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse, purify us from all unrighteousness. Is there repentance that needs to take place in your life? Confession of sin, adjustment to the word of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to guard your word. Will you come and reframe our perspective on success right now? We want to see it. We want to see our ladder. Would you give us a glimpse of our ladder right now? Is it leaning against the right wall? If not, we want to repent. Truly, before you this morning, we want to repent in Jesus' name. Why don't you take a moment, just pray it through, asking the Holy Spirit, praying for the strength, the courage to make adjustments. While you're praying, if there's anyone here this morning who's never yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the first step. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It starts with an acknowledgement that we need a savior. We cannot save ourselves. Humanism says we've got it. It's in our hands. The kingdom of God says blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven because it's in Jesus' hands. And if you're here today and have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray with you this morning. And uh, so I'm going to ask you to come and join me on the red carpet in a moment. For those of you who need prayer for healing, specifically in terms of anything to do with your eyes, we would love to be praying for you here on our red carpet as well. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your gracious hand that rests upon us in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. 
And uh, please don't forget Tuesday evening, 6 o'clock. We would love to see you right back here. Our tithes and offering boxes are at the door if you want to make use of those. If you need prayer, come and join me right now. And the team, we're going to be here on the red carpet. God bless you. Let's have some tea and coffee. Amen. Tea and coffee. Amen.